Well, hello, friends. Welcome to the Capital City Christian Church Podcast. I'm Chris Taylor, and I'm glad you're listening in today. If this is your first time listening, I'd love to chat with you. So send me an email at hello at capitalcitychristian.org. What's your first thought when you hear about a church talking about money? Is it to assume the worst? Oh, this church is just going to be begging for my money and making me feel bad about buying anything. Well, uh, we're talking about money. We're starting a brand new series called How to Be Rich. But don't turn off the podcast just yet. This series is less of a we want your money and more about some very doable and practical ways to manage your own personal finances. In today's message, we'll talk about the number one secret to managing your money well. Here's a message from our special guest speaker, Pastor Randy Kirk from First Capital Christian Church in Corridon, Indiana. Lexington Herald Leader, August 1st, 2019. A national nonprofit organization has paid off roughly $800 million in outstanding medical debt for hundreds of people across Appalachia. RIP Medical Debt, a New York-based nonprofit debt-buying company, announced last week it had paid outstanding medical bills for people in more than 50 counties across the region. Letters announcing the news were mailed to Kentuckians on Monday. Founded five years ago, RIP Medical Debt has paid off $800 million in medical debt so far for about 300,000 people across the country, and they anticipate that figure will swell to $1 billion by the end of the year. The company purchases debt portfolios from debt seller and medical providers that are at least likely to be repaid. Typically, the debt has existed from between two and seven years, and the debtors earn less than two times the federal poverty level. Kentucky was the fifth poorest state in 2017, where 17% of residents lived at the poverty level and more than 20% lived below it. By alleviating a portion of these costs, we hope to let people know they are not facing the burden of medical debt alone. Hello, friends in Frankfurt. I'm really glad to be here. So are the people in Corden. Uh, They they just uh, believe you have blessed them today. And and I hope by the end of this, you come out with a blessing as well. Uh, I I really do. Let Let me just tell you how this works. Steve and I have studied together for years. And typically what we do is we, uh, we identify a theme and uh, then we, uh, we work on that and we do the same thing at the same time. I do it a little better, but all things considered, we, we do the same thing. Only this summer we did something different. In June, while you all were learning all about sin and how to do it well, uh, necessary sins. You remember, uh, you, you were learning about lying and uh, anger and gossip and lust. Some of you, yeah, I remember those. Yeah, I mean, the ser- sermons, not, not the sin. Anyway, uh, while you all were doing that, we were doing a whole different series on, on personal finance and helping our people understand how to manage money just a little bit better. Okay, well, we did that and now we're switching. And so while my people are learning all about necessary sins, you're gonna learn about uh, how to manage your money. That's right, Doc brought me here to talk to you about your money. That's right, isn't he sneaky? 
Now, you know, and I know what you think when a preacher gets up and starts talking about money. Yeah, I know where this goes. Well, listen, 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 you're wrong. I'm not here to get your money because it's not your money anyway. But that's a whole nother part of this. No, we're going to take four weeks and I'm just going to do the first week and we're going to do four weeks where you're going to learn some real doable, practical pieces that are going to help you manage your personal finances. Now, today, today I'm going to kick this series off and I'm going to give you the one secret ingredient. I'm going to give you the most important piece in terms of you managing your family's finances in a way that's better than you've ever done it before. Next week, Doc is going to talk about your money in your past. And he's going to talk about how decisions you have made in the past affect what you can do today and, and the choices that you have available today. Then the third week, he's going to talk about your money and your future. And he's going to talk about decisions that you can make right now and things you can do right now that will make all the difference later on down the road. And then the fourth week, Doc is going to talk about generosity. But I want to share with you what we did when we were going through this. Last April, we heard of a church in Kansas that had partnered with an organization called RIP Medical Debt. And so we decided we wanted to explore that. We knew, I knew I was going to preach this series. So we started uh, talking with RIP Medical Debt, and we asked them to find out how much medical debt could be bought in Harrison County, Indiana. And they got back to us and told us we could buy $2.8 million of medical debt for $28,000. Now, let me do the math real quick. That's a, every dollar bought $100 worth of debt. Every dollar we could raise would pay off $100 worth of debt. And so we decided we would do it. And we thought $28,000 was a very ambitious goal for us over and above our regular giving. Now, we're not a very rich church. We're, we're, not, we're not a rich church at all. And we had to do that over and above because we still took up our regular offering because I like to eat. And so, and so uh, what happened was we talked about it. We talked about medical debt and all of that. And then came the day where we received the offering. And I need to tell you, as a preacher, I was a little bit apprehensive. First of all, I was worried about what it was going to do to our regular offering. But then I was worried, can we really raise $28,000 above our ordinary giving? And uh, here's what I learned. Our regular offering didn't take a hit at all, and we raised $70,000 to give to medical debt. It was crazy. And so on, on Monday, our executive pastor, Ed, called uh, New York City, and he, he talked to uh, RIP, and he said, uh, we had a little bit more come in than we were expecting. Can you tell us some other debts? And he gave them a list of locations that we wanted to uh, look into. And it ended up, when all was said and done, we paid off all of the medical debt in Harrison County, Indiana. That was $2.8 that was available to buy. And all of it in Washington County, Indiana, Crawford County, Indiana, and Perry County, Indiana. $6.4 million of debt. And we still have money still to, to, to use. We, we are wrestling with whether we want to do another county 
or whether we want to wait and see when other monies, uh, other families in our local area need that. But it's crazy what God can do through generous people. And uh, so he wanted me to come and just share that story with you as we go through this. Now, that story out of the way, let's talk about your money. I like talking about your money, don't you? Yeah, the money you've got in your pocket right now, the money you've got in your bank account, your IRA. I want to talk about your money right now. And you're starting to squirm already. You don't even know where I'm going and you're concerned. So am I. <laughs> uh, let, let me tell you, there are those in this room right now that you're worried and you're stressed because you've got a stack of overdue bills. And there are some of you who got your check on Friday and it's already gone. There are some of you that are worried about retirement and some of you are worried about how am I going to pay for the kids' college. And some of you have got student loans. There are those in this room right now that fear foreclosure. And there are others that uh, are paid on commission and you're constantly under the pressure to produce in order to take care of your family. And there's some of you in this room that you're stressed and you don't even know why. You're stressed because you don't know how much is coming in and you don't know how much is going out and you don't know where it's going. You just know it's not working out very well for me right now. Nearly two-thirds of Americans lose sleep stressed over money. And the truth is, your money is making you miserable. You thought it would be the cure. You thought it would fix things, and the fact is, it's making you miserable. But you're just like me. You're just like everybody else. The only, uh, I can fix this if I just had a little more, right? All I need is just a little more, and it's all going to work out fine. Uh, there was a survey. There was a survey where people were asked, how much money would you need to earn in order to be comfortable? Why don't you think about that for a moment? Why don't you answer that? Because I did. When I heard that, I immediately did the math. And I figured it up. It wasn't hard for me. I came up with a number pretty quickly. Can you come up with a number? How much money would it take for you to be comfortable? Would you need to make in order for you to be comfortable? And the survey said just about twice what I'm making right now. And that was my answer. That's exactly where I had it, it pegged. If I could just have about twice as much as I have, I think I could be comfortable, don't you? The truth of the matter is I don't have twice as much and I don't know how that's going to happen anytime soon. So how do I find peace with my personal finances? The answer is we're looking for it in all the wrong places. We're never going to be satisfied if we look for the solution that this world has to offer. Really, really smart man, really wise man by the name of Solomon he kind of tried it all, and he summarized it this way. He said, meaningless, meaningless, utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. He went on to list a number of places where he went looking for satisfaction, where he went looking for contentment. 
And as he went through his list, he, he, he looked in wisdom and he looked in wine and he looked in work and he looked in women and he looked in wealth. And here's what he ended up saying when he got to wealth. It's in Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 10. He said, whoever loves money never has enough. That's truth. Whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This too is meaningless. And you're thinking right now, I could be the exception to the rule if I just had a little more. And the answer is no, you can't. Because we're all addicted to better and newer and more. Now, I did say that Solomon was wise, and sometimes when he applied it to himself, he was really wise. And here's what he said just a few verses later. It's down in the fifth chapter in the 19th verse. Slow down and listen to this. This can, this can change your life. He said, when God gives someone wealth and possessions and the ability to enjoy them, to accept their lot and to be happy with their toil, this is a gift from God. Now, there was a whole lot there. Let's go back and break it down. Instead of trying to chew on the whole thing, let's, let's break it down into bite-sized pieces. When God gives someone wealth and possessions, that's you. So I don't have wealth. I'm not wealthy. You must be talking to somebody else. No, I'm talking to you. We don't like to see ourselves as the wealthy ones, but we really are. You see, what we think are necessities, the rest of the world sees as luxuries. I mean, you have servants to do your work. Well, we don't have any servants. You have a vacuum cleaner. You've got a dishwasher. You've got a washer and dryer. You've got a tractor. You got a pickup, you got a lawnmower, you got a leaf blower, you got servants all over. You've got a refrigerator to store your leftovers. Leftovers? What are leftovers? <laughs> You've got transportation other than your two bare feet. You got closets. What, what's a closet? What do you use a closet for? A closet's where you put your stuff that you're not using, right? That's where I put the stuff I'm not using right now. Most of the world is living on $2 a day. My cell phone cost a year's worth of their wages. You see, we complain and we've got our problems, but our problems are first world problems. Our problems aren't the kind of problems they have. Listen, somebody in Bangladesh never receives a call from an unknown number. I know it bothers you when you get those calls and you don't know where they're coming from. That doesn't bother them at all. They never get one of those. And let, and let me tell you, this may just be a senior citizen kind of thing, all right? But here's a problem that I face, and that is, do you ever forget your password? Never bothers people in Malawi. They, they never worry about that at all, all right? And they don't worry about not being able to connect to the Wi-Fi. Here's one. Here's one. Uh, this is a problem, at least a problem for me. I don't know if it's a problem for you or not. I hate it 
when somebody left the toilet paper roll without any toilet paper. Don't you hate that? Well, that's a first world problem. I hate it when we run out of hot water, don't you? I hate it when the air conditioning's too cold, don't you? Those are first world problems. We're the wealthy. Don't push back. That's us. We have stuff, lots of stuff. Here's what he says. When God gives someone wealth and possessions and the ability to enjoy them. Do you enjoy them? Are you thankful for what you have or are you consumed by what you don't? You know, it's not about having, it's about enjoying what you have. I want you to notice the progression here. It's have and enjoy and then, and then look what comes next. To accept their lot. Instead of comparing with what he's got, instead of coveting what she's got, it is learning to be content with what we have. Now listen, I'm about to, I'm gonna say it right now. This is the most important thing you're gonna hear maybe the rest of your life. This is huge. The single most significant concept to managing your family's finances is learning to be content with what you have instead of comparing and complaining about what you don't. Look what comes next. Here's a gift from God, to be happy in their toil. It's to enjoy your job and to appreciate the income you get from that. Now, don't, don't confuse contentment and complacency. Contentment is I am thankful for what I have and I will adjust my life to find satisfaction here. Complacency is an excuse to be lazy. Complacency is that just I, I'm going to just give up and quit without any aspirations. Two completely different things. But here we are. When we have wealth, and we do, and when we have possessions, and we do, when you can enjoy what you have instead of being obsessed over what you don't have, when you can be happy with your job and the income that it provides, it's a gift. It's a gift from God. So how do you get there? Because there are some of you right now are saying that doesn't describe my life at all. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not happy. I'm not content. I'm miserable. I'm miserable because I'm scared. How do I get there? Well, let me take you to another guy who uh, comes at this from a very different place from Solomon. Here's what he wrote to the Philippians in the fourth chapter. He said, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Now, I want you to notice the first thing that he said is that he had learned the secret of being content. It is something that has to be learned. It's not something that is intuitive. It's not something that comes natural. 
It is something that you have to learn and it's not an easy learn. The second thing I want you to notice is he says it's a secret, it's a mystery. It's not just laying out in the open where everybody can find it. And in fact, it's not where most people look for it. It's a secret, but you can find it and it can change your life. Here it is. Let me make this as simple for you as I can. Contentment is about loving what you have instead of what you don't. You want to know how to make your money go further? You learn how to love what you have instead of what you don't. The secret to managing your money is what you love. I have a good friend, Gary Johnson, whose father died. His father died at the age of 76, and Gary uh, was the executor of the estate. And it fell to him to manage all of the details in his father's passing. And it was while he was working through the details of his father's passing that, Eddie, that Gary had an epiphany. He had one of those moments that just struck him. Let me, let me share with you what Gary said. Gary said, my dad was married to my mom for 52 years on the day that she died. My dad retired from a job that he had held from the time of his high school graduation. He even worked in the same department his entire life. And my dad died in the same house where he had lived since he was seven years old. In short, one wife, one job, and one address for his entire life. These are three ways that my father modeled for me the secret of being content. I want to tell you, that's a pretty good life. Can you imagine? One wife, one job, one address, a whole life. Paul, on the other hand, when he wrote these words, he wasn't married at all. And uh, he had gone through a career change. He had been a bounty hunter who became a preacher. And, uh, well, he wasn't living in the house where he had grown up. He was living in a prison. He was chained. How could he be content? How could he talk about contentment in those circumstances? Because he had with him the one thing that he loved more than anything else, and that was Jesus. And as long as you have what you love, then you're content. It's when you start loving what you don't have, that we become miserable. When you learn to love what you have instead of lusting for what you don't, when you learn to be content living within your means instead of fearing what you might be missing, then you're gonna find peace. Peace that other people can't understand, they can't comprehend. So how do you do that? It's learning to love what you have. Let me help you with that. Can I just coach for just a moment? Learn to love your car. Learn to love your car. Don't go trading in your car every time that it smells different. Let me, let me help you. I'm gonna coach. Let me help you a little. You wanna know how to love your car? Name it. I'm serious. Name it and you'll love it and you'll keep it longer. It's hard to trade in a family member. 
Although I've had some kids. No, I'm serious. I'm serious. I name my cars. I've done it for years. I'll, I'll tell you one. I'll just give you, I'll give you a couple real quick. All right. I, I, I'm not even going to tell you what kind it was or any of that. You can picture it as soon as I tell you I had a pickup truck that I called Rusty. You got it, right? You've seen it. It's parked in your, never mind. All right. I had, I had a, 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 an old Malibu that I called Margaret. And I love Margaret. She was such a dear, dear friend. We had, I bought a sob once and I called it chemo sobby, right? But you name your cars and you'll keep them longer. It's truth. It's truth. I'm just trying to help you out, all right? Because you love what you have instead of loving what you don't have. And then love your home. Love the place. Look around and go through today and think of the memories that you have. Walk through and just take a time to remember. And listen, love what's in your closet. Don't come at me with this, I don't have anything to wear. You got a closet, love what's there. Let me give you one more coaching piece, one more coaching piece, all right? And that, it's, it's really simple, and that is, if uh, you buy jeans without holes in them already, they last longer, okay? It's just truth, simple truth, trying to help. Love your wife, not your neighbor's wife. Love your kids, love your parents. It's, it all comes down to, listen, it all comes down to what do you love the most? You want to know how to manage your money better? Love what you have instead of what you don't have. Let me close with some advice that uh, Uncle Ben gave Peter Parker in the very first Spider-Man movie. All right? Peter had been bitten by a spider and was experiencing a life-altering event. It's kind of like what happened to you when you were baptized. You didn't see that coming, did you? Yeah, but it's true, all right? You both go through these life-altering experiences where both Peter Parker and you become a superhero. You just didn't understand that you were being empowered to be a superhero when you were baptized, but you were. That's all, we won't go there. Here we go. Here's the advice that Uncle Ben gave. It's pretty good. He said, these are the years when a man becomes the man he's going to be for the rest of his life. Just be careful what you change into. Now that's pretty good. You will make decisions right now that are gonna shape your future. If you decide to do nothing to change, you've picked a path. But if you decide to make some of these changes, it's going to set a different path. It all comes down to which will you love. Let's pray. Father, I pray that uh, we'll learn to choose wisely and to love what we have instead of uh, uh, loving what we don't have. Help us, Father, to learn. Help us, Father, guide us as we make good decisions with that which you've entrusted to us. Through Christ we pray. Amen.
Pretty good, isn't it, guys? It's Randy. And I'm telling you that the uh, principle of contentment is huge. It will change your life. And it applies to way more than your money. It applies to church. If you would learn to love the preacher you have rather than the preacher you don't have, <laughs> you'd learn to be content and life would be far better. Okay? Just a suggestion. He taught you that, not me. Okay? Learn to love the preacher you have. Make your life better. Two years ago, August 2017, we double-dog dared those of you in the Cap City family at that time to take up the 90-day trust challenge. We basically said, went back to the, what the Bible teaches, God actually says, test me. Give your first part back to me and see whether or not I bless you back. May not be financial, but see whether I bless you. And the challenge was for those in our church family who had never given their first part back to God before. It was for those in our church family who had given their first back God, their given to God occasionally, but sometimes leftovers. And it was even for those of us who were kind of on cruise control, because I think every Jesus follower periodically needs to examine whether or not we are being generous, generous in a God-honoring way. Because we believe that giving our first part back to God is an act of worship. It's part of how we're Jesus followers. I want to tell you what has happened since. It literally has been mind-blowing. First of all, just for our church family. When we preached that series two years ago, it was tight. We finished 2017 well above budget. We finished 2018 well above budget. We are right now in the middle of the tightest time for a church. In the middle of summer, we are well above budget. It's been incredible. That's not the incredible part. Because our church has been so generous, we've been able to tackle ministry, to engage in ministry in ways that have been way more aggressive, and we hope in ways that have been very God-honoring. It's also contributed to the fact that just this last week, I think it was Friday, that uh, John and Bobby, the chairman of our elders, were down and finally signed the papers. We bought two and a half acres right behind the church. We were able to pay cash. We were able to pay cash for that, and it's really important stuff because we're landlocked, and that will provide us the parking we need into the foreseeable future and some green space so our kids can play because kids matter a whole lot to us. It also is going to give us the opportunity to do what we're going to do on September the 1st this year. September the first year, it's going to be Labor Day, but it's going to be a day for Capital City of pure generosity because we're going to give away every cent that comes in that day, whether it's in our regular offering or in our generous bucket, to RIP Medical Debt to settle qualifiable medical debt in our area right here around Capital City. You guys know how crushing medical debt can be. I'll bet you you've gotten bills that have kind of staggered you. Maybe some of you guys have been completely oppressed by it. Well, this organization, RIP Medical Debt, does data analysis, and they locate the most critical debt in an area that can be purchased for a very, very low price. Those, we, we can't pick who's going to be receiving this gift. They select people who are, have been in arrears for a certain amount of time, people who are below a certain poverty level. They purchase that debt uh, pennies on a dollar and use donations to pay it off. Well, the qualifiable debt in our area is not as extreme as it was in southern Indiana. 
we've discovered that $22,000 will settle nearly $2 million of qualified debt. It'll be all of the qualified debt in Franklin County, Shelby County, Henry County, Woodford County, Scott County, Owen County, Anderson County, Bourbon County, Harrison County, and parts of Fayette County. That's our target. That's our goal. And we believe that this is God honoring. Jesus identified with those who are hurting. Here's what he said. He said, I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty, you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, you invited me into your home. I was naked, you gave me clothing. I was sick, you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. And we're going to live that out. We're going to live that out. Paul talks about generosity as God's gift to those of us who are rich, and we are. Here's what he tells us. He says, teach those who are rich in this world to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works, generous to those who are in need, always being ready to share with others. And by doing this, they'll be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future. So we may experience true life. And that's what we believe we're going to have an opportunity to do. It's an amazing opportunity, guys. Opportunity to love our God, to honor our God, and to lend a hand to neighbors that are hurting. And it's an amazing opportunity to see our generosity multiplied exponentially. Every $100 that we give will relieve $10,000 of medical debt. Never seen generous money go that far. Next week, we're going to hand out some envelopes. We're not going to take up the offering next week. But we'd just like to ask you, over the next few days, do your research. Look up RIP medical debt. Read articles on them. We did. A lot of people are skeptical. A lot of people are cynical. We were. Do your homework. Find out whether or not you think this is going to be something that you ought to invest in. We believe it's going to be an opportunity to show some amazing compassion, to show Christ to those around us, and we hope to start up some conversations with people who need Jesus as the Lord of their life. Let's pray together. Our Father God, you have blessed this church family so amazingly. And whenever we're blessed by you, you give us an opportunity to serve you in amazing ways. We ask that you use us, that you'll grow your kingdom through us, and that you will be honored. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray these things. Amen. Guys, have a great week. Stand tall for God.